0: Welcome to CenterPoint Church Podcast. At CenterPoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love he demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. Listen and be encouraged. Like the Christians of Smyrna, we can persevere through the troubles we face by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is with us and knows our troubles intimately. His promises are
1: true. Hey, my name is Cy McMahon, campus pastor here at Centerpoint Church. And hey, Warren, I'm super glad you've chosen to join us uh, this morning. Um, this is a busy time of year. Yeah, We're getting into the holidays, and there's a lot of things uh, going on, and so I really appreciate you've chosen to spend uh, an hour with us here on a Sunday morning. So thank you for doing that. If you're joining us online, thank you for uh, choosing us. You have a lot to choose from. You chose to be here with us at Center Point, so thank you for that as well. Just a couple of uh, uh, announcements before we get going. The first one is Thanksgiving Eve service. So Wednesday uh, night at 6.30 at our Sioux Center campus, well, we're doing a Thanksgiving Eve service. It's just the focus of it is just gratitude, being thankful. Uh, so if you just want to come and celebrate all that the Lord uh, is doing and has been doing, it'll be a great time uh, to do it. We call it a Connect event. That's where both of our campuses worship in the same place. So come and join us Wednesday evening. We'd love to see you there. It's just going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, so thankful for that opportunity. One other thing I want to talk about is, and this is really important in this season, is we, for the last year, year plus, we've been doing a food box delivery. So we've partnered with two places, Promise Health Center, uh, that is kind of a Siouxland uh, group, and then the Hope Food Pantry in Sioux Center. And we actually deliver boxes of food to families who can't travel to the The food distribution on the days that it's offered. So our church said, hey, there's a need. We want to help. And so we deliver these same boxes of food that they would get on a Wednesday if they could drive in to those families who aren't able to do that. And so it's been a huge blessing. When we first started, we delivered about 10 or 12 boxes a month. And now we're doing over 20 and so we would just love, love to have more people join in with us for that opportunity. So we have two opportunities here before the holidays. So November 21st, that's a Tuesday night. We have an opportunity, and then there's another one in December. We'd love to have you jump in and join us. So stop by Next Steps, uh, and you can get down the uh, the email of the person you need to contact. Uh, Jen McCoy, she leads that for us. She does a great job, super passionate about it. We'd love to have you jump in. Uh, it's 21 different last week or last time was 21 families all across uh, si- Siouxland, so Sioux County and the little edges of a couple other counties. So great opportunity to love on people, really easy way. So hopefully you'll jump in with us on that. Uh, the other thing that we're doing here just in Hayward and there's a lighted parade uh, next weekend, and we do a float and it, it's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> we do a pretty good job. And so if you want to be a part of that, there's a meeting happening in here-ish. I don't know. In here, uh, after the service. So Laura Wellinga, she kind of leads the charge uh, for us. If you would like to just help out, um, we'll they'll be working on that float here this next week. So just hang out after the service. Find Laura. Uh, and you can figure out how you can be involved in that. We'd love to have you jump on board and, you know, be a part of the team that made the winning float. <laughs> Calling our shot. We really do a good job. It's really, really cool. So, all right, what are we talking about? Series we're in, is called Dear Church. It's, uh, we've been looking at these letters that Jesus wrote to seven ancient churches in the book of Revelation. So Revelation's the last book of the Bible it was written by a fellow named John. John was the last of the 12 disciples that, that Jesus called to be alive. And he had been exiled to an island uh, in the Mediterranean called Patmos, and it was from this place that he wrote uh, the last revelation of Jesus, or, as we call it, revelation. And so in chapters 2 and 3, there are a series of seven letters where Jesus speaks directly to seven churches. And so we've been walking through this for a few weeks. This is week 6, and so if you haven't been with us at all, you can go back to our website, wearecenterpoint.com. Click the watch button, and you can watch those past messages to see what else is out there uh, to learn. But it's it's been a tough go. Right? And so kind of the rhythm of the letters has been Jesus says, hey, what's up? He introduces himself. Uh, then he says a couple things that maybe you're doing good. So it's like going to a job review, right? You get called in for a job review, and you know how this goes. They say two or three nice things about you, and then they tell you the real reason they called you in the office. Was it just me, or <laughs> has anybody else had this experience? Now I'm nervous. <laughs> hey, I'm being vulnerable up here. Come on, people. And so like, so Jesus says a couple nice things and he's like, and then this is what I have against you and says all the things that the church is not doing that he's asked them to do. And then he says, but if you change your ways, I will, you know, I will bless you and I will give you a reward. And so it's, he introduces himself, here's what you're doing well, here's what you're doing wrong, here's the reward. And that's kind of been the rhythm for the last few weeks. So today that rhythm changes up. So we're going to read uh, a letter that was written to uh, the church in Smyrna, and Smyrna has exactly as many vowels as it sounds like. So the church in Smyrna, he wrote a letter, and the rhythm changes. And so we'll see, uh, you can notice it. Now there's no, here's what you're doing wrong in this letter, which is nice, but it doesn't mean that it's an easy word. That's still coming. So we're going to check that out. If you've got a Bible, open up to the very, very back of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 2. So literally it's all the way, almost the final pages of the book, right back there. If you have a device, you can pull out your phone. Open it up to Version or the Bible app, whatever you got. We're going to start chapter 2, verse 8. <clears throat> this is what it says. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write... These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, that you were rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Excuse me. I have a uh, breath mint in my mouth trying to not choke on a dry throat. throat) We'll see how that goes for me. All right, so Smyrna, if you haven't been with us, so the names of the towns all mean something, which is a little lost on us because nowadays we name towns after famous people and stuff. And so we don't really get this. But back then, the names of towns had meanings. They were actual words that had meaning. And so the, the town of Smyrna, one of its meanings is, is myrrh. And so has anybody ever heard of myrrh before? Raise your hand if you've heard of myrrh. Do you know where that's from? It's from the Christmas story, right? So the three wise men, one of the gifts they bring is myrrh. And so myrrh is this really powerful Perfume or essential oil, or it was kind of, it could come in kind of a a rockish uh, form. And so it was really, really strong. It was really strong smelling. And it was actually one of the things that in ancient times they used to help, uh, they they call it embalm the dead. That's not really what they did with it. They would just wipe it all over a dead person's body so that as it was decaying, it didn't smell as bad. This is, this is the beauty, right, of how this all goes. And so, so myrrh was something that was used with the dead. Now, it's, what's interesting is Jesus introduced himself, right? So that's the rhythm. Jesus introduced himself. How did he introduce himself? He said that he is the first and the last who died and came to life again. Now there's two sections of this that are pretty, really, really pretty cool. So Smyrna means myrrh. Jesus says, I'm the one who died and came back to life. And so the focus of the town, at least in part, based on the definition of what the name of the town means, is death. Because the name of the town is this scent, this oil that was used to embalm the dead, and he's like, listen, I defeated death. I died, but then I came back to life. I've I've defeated death. You don't have to be focused on death, because I won. The other thing he says is, I'm the first and the last. So we just sang a song that talks about being the alpha and the omega. That's the first and the last, he said on the first and the last. Well, <clears throat> on the coins in Smyrna, so Smyrna was a large city. Estimates are a few hundred thousand people lived there during ancient times. It was a really large city. They had their own coins. So this is pretty normal in, uh, in Roman societies that they would actually have their own coinage. And so their coins said this, first in Asia in beauty and size. The city claimed they were first. Jesus' introduction is I'm the first and the last. The city was focused on celebrating themselves, holding themselves up. It was like, hey, look what we've done. We have a beautiful city, it's really big, we're really important. And Jesus is like, actually, I'm the first and the last. Actually, I died, but then I came back to life. So all the things that you're about, it's actually me. Now, Smyrna had a, a like I said, a large population. They had a large population of what was known as Gentiles, the so people who who uh, were separated from, from God. They weren't of Jewish Descents and so, large population. They were Roman citizens, and these people, um, they they did not like the Jewish population. Like they didn't get along very well, and so, at this time when this was written, luckily for both groups of people, so the Jewish people had a new team to pick on the followers of Jesus. This at this time was known as a sect of Judaism, and so. All of a sudden, the Jews and the Gentiles that both lived in Smyrna had the same person to pick on. They said, Hey, we, we don't like those, we don't like those followers of Jesus either. See, we're 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 similar, it's good. And so actually, people who are followers of Jesus in the city of Smyrna had it very rough. It was very difficult for them. And so Jesus says this in the passage. he Says I know your afflictions and your poverty. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Now, <clears throat> there's many levels where where that first statement is true for Jesus. I know your afflictions. So when Jesus knew what was going on, he knew that both powerful groups in the city hated the followers, his followers. Both hated him. Which shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus, Jesus tells us, I think it's in John, the Gospel of John says, the world will hate you because of me. So Jesus called his own shot here too. Like, the world will hate you because of me. Now this church in Smyrna was living it out. Like everybody in town hated them. I know your afflictions and your poverty. So we have a concept of poverty, yeah? Like we understand what poverty is. There's a poverty, like there's below the poverty line that we have here in the United States. And in the third world, there's something similar there's a you know there's an idea of what is is poverty, and it doesn't compare to what we consider it uh, here in the u s but it's out there and so we have this concept of poverty, but in this day, where this was substance living, which we don't have a huge concept of here in the u s because we have refrigerators and grocery stores, subsistence living is. You get the food that you need for today, today. And the food you need for tomorrow, you get tomorrow. So we don't get that concept. They really got it, and they had no access to anything. Because no one wanted to work with them. No one wanted to help them. No one wanted to give them business. No one wanted to sell to them. No one had wanted to provide them a place to rent or live. So their life, <clears throat> the word is like abject poverty. They literally had nothing. Not that they had less, they had nothing. They were mocked, beaten. There was no safe place for them to be. I know your afflictions and your poverty. Yet you are rich, is what he says. It's a little bit of a hard, hard truth to grab a hold of, right? This idea that you are rich in another way that is not material, So like at my house, I am rich in dog hair. (laughs) We have two large dogs, and they have hair. And they've decided to share it with us. So rich. Right, and so Jesus understands our afflictions because he experienced them also. This isn't Jesus just being like, hey, I know it's hard for you guys out there. Keep your chin up, buddy. Jesus was rejected by the ones he came to save. He came for the Jews first, and they rejected him. They had him murdered on a cross, hung on a cross. He was beaten. He was tortured. Died the worst death Imaginable. He was rejected by the people that he came to save. And on the cross, he was even estranged for God for a second. Jesus knows our afflictions. Not just because he knows about them, but he's experienced them himself. So today... As you hear that, like there, there are people in the room that are suffering. Right? There, there, are people around us that are struggling. Like not, not everybody's lives are butterflies and rainbows. There's some, there's some struggle. There are some hardship. There are hard times in this room and for those of us that are in that boat I want you to hear very clearly Jesus knows he knows what you're going through he knows what you're experiencing and not just that he knows but he knows you're not alone You're not alone. And in Jesus' time, in Jesus' day, the only way only way through that was as a community was to, to go at these hard times together, to 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 wade through the difficult things uh, with someone else, to have the community hold. Hold each other up because together we can find strength. Together we can find a way through. And that's still the solution today. That's still the solution today. I don't know how we're going to do this, but... um, Here's what what we're going to do. So, I think, I want to pray for all of those of us in the room that are suffering, that are struggling, that are hurting, are facing afflictions of all sorts. Whether you feel alone whether you feel beat up, you feel like you're you're fighting a fight that's that's bigger than you. You feel out of control. Um, like I think I think there's a few of us in the room. This is us. So here's what I want to do. So I just ask that kind of everybody, would you would you pray with me right now? We're just gonna pray. And so if you would. Just kind of put your head down, close your eyes if you're comfortable with that or if it doesn't make you dizzy. And then if you're, look, if you're struggling in this area, I just want, just tune in to what God wants to say. Lord, your people are before you. God, help us to humbly receive whatever you would whatever you would give to us in this moment. Lord, you say you know our afflictions. God, in this moment, I pray for those who feel like they're struggling, hurting, suffering, that feel afflicted. God, I pray that they would feel known in this moment, known by you, known by your spirit. God, I pray that they would feel comforted by you Lord, I pray they would feel confident to share their struggle with their brothers and sisters around them so that they don't attempt to walk through this on their own. They can walk through with each other, with us, together. Together, we are stronger than we are on our own. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy that allows us an opportunity to gather in your presence allows us an opportunity to stand up for each other, to care for each other. So Lord, I pray for each of us who are struggling or suffering or hurting, Lord, that we would confidently ask for help from you, confidently ask for help from our brothers and sisters so that we no longer have to go through what we're going through on our own or alone or in shame. But Lord, we would be able to bring it to the light and let you love us. And let each of us be loved by each other. Amen. You know, when... Shelly, I am way off track, so sorry about it. When we, uh, when we are struggling, we are hurting, when we are facing suffering and affliction, a lot of the time we ask why. Right? and we've talked about this we we did a series on that earlier this year we talked about asking why and and often that's not the right question to ask the the question that we should be looking for is what do you want me to do with it cuz Jesus makes it very clear expect suffering This isn't just for the church in Smyrna, this is for all of us. Expect suffering. There's a passage, it's one of our life verses, it's John chapter 16, verse 33. And it says, uh, in this world you will have trouble, in this world you will have suffering. In this world, you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Just as I, I tell you all these things, you have peace. But in this world, you have trouble. <clears throat> but take heart, it's not about what happens in this world. And so we want answers. As to why stuff is happening to us in this world. And Jesus, is like, look at me. It happened to me. Jesus was the Son of God, He was God Himself, and He suffered and died. And that's our trajectory as well. I am not certain about many things, but this. I am certain of, you are all going to die. Am I right? What's true about life is it ends in death for all of us. We're all on equal footing, so we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised by death. We shouldn't be surprised by the threat of death. But maybe while we're approaching it, while we're walking through what we're walking through, while we're struggling what we're struggling through, our question shouldn't be why, but what do you want me to do with it? What is a... There's a passage, I don't know if you got it added or not, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 it talks about Jesus comforts us he comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort others the purpose of him comforting us is so that we can use that to love other people who are going through the same thing that we're going through, because often we can be in a community like this and be like, well, I'm the only person that's ever gone through X, and and let me tell you, you're not. Whatever it is you're, you're walking through, someone's been through it ahead of you, someone's going through it right now, you're not alone, other people are walking the road that you've walked. And my guess is, my experience has been, I've been given the story I've been given so I can use it to walk with other people. I think the same is true for you. The what is this community. What are you supposed to do with your experiences, your hurt, your afflictions, your suffering? You're supposed to love on other people in our community that are walking through something similar. Not just eat it and keep it and fight it by yourself. So there's a <clears throat> there's a piece of that passage that talks about the synagogue of Satan. Anybody notice that? Satan's got a lot of run in the last couple weeks here. Um, the synagogue of Satan is talking about. Um, the Jews in the city of Smyrna weren't really Jews. They, were, they claimed to be Jews, but they weren't the people of God. They weren't living like they were people of God. There it is. I know about the sign of those who say they're Jews, but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, <clears throat> anti-Semitism is a thing where people are out and they're against Jewish people. It's really rampant right now. I don't know if you've noticed. A lot of them use that verse to say this is actually from God. It's not. That's not what that verse says. That verse says, these people are claiming to be something they're not. They're claiming to be Jewish. They're not the people of God. They're trying to trick you. Jesus is Jewish. So as followers of Jesus, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, then we can't then also be against Jews because that doesn't work. In fact, Jesus says it this way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he hasn't seen. Doesn't work. Said another way physical heritage is not an indication of spiritual standing. The point that Jesus was making. Just because they were born Jewish does not mean that they were the people of God. They weren't living like that was true. Church, just because you were born in Sioux County, it does not make you a follower of Jesus. If you came from a family that grew up going to church, that does not make you a follower of Jesus, surrendering your life to our Christ is what makes you a follower of Jesus. Laying down your sins at the foot of the cross, giving up your plans for your life and saying, Jesus, take over. I want you to be my Lord. That makes us a follower of Christ, not how you grew up. What family you were a part of or where you were born. doesn't work. <clears throat> the next thing we're going to look at says "Fear nothing." I think this is from the message. I love this: Fear nothing, and the things you're about to suffer. But stay on God. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing 10 days. It won't last forever. Don't quit, even if it costs you your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. Jesus says, fear nothing. Do you know what people are most afraid of? Any any guesses? Death, which is ironic. We all die. So why are we afraid of it? We're not really afraid of dying. We're afraid of the timing, right? I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to go today. I believe Joe Diffie had a great song about that. Thank you. For the one person that got that, that was worth it. That's really why I'm here, folks. Just kidding. (laughs) These poor children are going to look that up now. Oh, Lord. My email is si at wearecenterpoint.com. It's where all the complaints can come. Just bring them. Fear nothing. We fear death, but death is coming for all of us. Jesus, says, fear nothing. Suffering is coming. It says 10 days. Now, we're all going to face suffering. We're all going to face difficulty, affliction, hurt, disorder. Uh, you're going to be uncomfortable. As a follower of Jesus, that is going to be true for you. Jesus never says, if you suffer, he says, when. It's not a question. What, what this says is, like: are we all going to suffer for exactly 10 days in jail? I have no idea. What he's trying to communicate is there will be suffering, but it will be a finite time. Like it will come to an end. Now, what he doesn't say is how it will end. And we all think like, hey, we're going to suffer for a bit and then it's going to stop. True, it might stop because you died. I don't know. But it's not suffering for all of eternity. Suffering for all of eternity is called hell. What Jesus says is, I have a life crown sized and ready for you. What he's saying is like, I have a place for you in eternity. I have a place for you to sit beside me in eternity. You'll be present with me for all of eternity. That is called heaven. Jesus has a place for us. not because of what you have done or haven't done, but because of who he is and what he has already done for us. All we have to do is believe and surrender our life to him. Then we get to be in his presence for all eternity. Fear nothing. Because Jesus has defeated death. Death. Fear nothing because our Savior has already won. Fear nothing because our Lord has already made a path forward. And all we have to do is follow. Fear nothing. it doesn't mean it's going to be easy let's be clear Jesus says stay there even to death it's simple, it's not easy we said that last week too this is very simple follow Jesus, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the results, follow Jesus, even to death, because it's worth it. The reward is worth it. The reward is beautiful and remarkable. And we we get access to that reward through Jesus. He finishes this up, he says, you won't be impacted at all, not even by the second death. So the second death comes with the final judgment and you either get to go with Jesus or the lake of fire. Of those two, quick survey. Of those two, which one do you think is good? Go with Jesus, hands for Jesus. Okay. Lake of fire. Uh, for those watching online, lot fewer hands for Lake of Fire. Good choice, right? And so Jesus is like, the victory is presence of me for all eternity. So the question we have to ask. I am way behind. Alright. Thanks for coming. No. Uh, we'll finish up. <laughs> he all right. It was a really good idea to go off track earlier. Less good idea now. Okay, uh, the question I want we, we have to ask is: What do we value? Right. So we will sacrifice for what we value. True. Right. And So we, what do we value, and what examples do we have of people who have sacrificed? For something they value, and so last uh, last weekend was Veterans Day. So it made me think, like there are people who sacrifice for our country, and they serve in the military, and we're very grateful for them that they would choose that, and they they value what they get uh, living in this country to a point where they're willing to sacrifice to maintain that. What else do we value? We value our kids. So parents, parents will say all the time, like, um, I would, I would, if, if they have a sick kid, they'd trade places. If they have a kid who's dying, they would trade places. If they could sacrifice themselves to, to move their kids ahead, forward, 100% they're in. They would do it without a second thought because we value our kids, their lives, and their future. Um, we have some people who we protect our homes uh, with guns. It's like we're willing to confront someone who's trying to get into our home with lethal force and maybe receive it back on our end because we value our homes or the sanctity of our property in a way that, that we're willing to defend it, maybe with our lives. So we do this, this idea of valuing something so much that we would die for it is not a brand new idea. It's not like it came from nowhere. We, we already, we already do it. Right? We do it in other places of our lives. Some of us, so this shouldn't be 100 percent totally foreign so the band's going to come up and I'm going to figure out where I am talk amongst yourselves oh that's what I forgot alright so two things What Jesus is asking us to do is to value him. Value him. Value Jesus. And what he's saying is like, value him above everything else because he's the future of our freedom. Value Jesus. He saved you. He saved you. He's saved some of you who haven't even said yes to him yet, but he's saved you. Value him. Be willing to sacrifice everything for him because he's already done that for you. Jesus has already died for you. So this isn't a question of equality. He's already sacrificed everything for us. All he's asking is like, just just value him. Lean into the sacrifice that he asks us to take on. The other part, and this is the part I skipped, so this is gonna come at us a little fast and furious, but we got this. Take advantage of our freedom. So right now we're in a season in the United States where it's not illegal to be a follower of Jesus. And I hope that lasts, but it may not. We can meet in a place like this and we can openly advertise and say, hey, we're gonna meet together and we're gonna talk about Jesus today and we don't have to worry that someone's gonna come through the doors and bust up our meeting and arrest us. We can can go outside to our workplaces uh, into our school, students, you can do this. You can go in and you can talk openly about Jesus because we're free to do so at this moment. But it may not always be that way. Take advantage of the freedom we have now, today. Talk to your friends, neighbors, and coworkers about Jesus because you can. Come to church. Bring your friends. Let's celebrate what Jesus is doing in this place and out there together because we can. Let's point our families to Jesus. Let's train our families to value him and take advantage of the freedom that he offers us today because it may not always be true. A time is coming where all of us, are going to face stuff we wish we didn't have to. But God wants to use us in that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your example, the church in Smyrna, who is willing to sacrifice even to the point of death. Lord, help us to love each other well. Help us to be open inspired by you to share with each other the struggles that we have so that we don't have to do them alone. Lord, help us to carry each other forward to where you're taking us.
0: Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 9.30.